oh, the stories just keep on coming. There's no shortage of women doing great things with their lives, and that's what this show is all about. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Let me begin by saying thank you to my loyal listeners and subscribers. It's been a rough summer. Getting back on my feet hasn't been easy following my severe lower back injury. Thank you for your patience with me. The good news is I'm on the mend. I'm walking, I'm sitting, I'm standing, I'm even swimming every day. I'm ready to do the work I love, providing a platform for women of all ages to tell their inspiring stories. The woman you are about to meet is a hero to many people she doesn't even know. Why? Because she's a lung cancer survivor who has created an incredible nonprofit called Upstage Lung Cancer, and it raises funds earmarked for cutting-edge early detection research. But there's so much more to her story. She's an accomplished singer, a producer, a director, a playwright, a novelist, a podcaster, and wait for it, she is also a clinical psychologist. Her name is Hildy Grossman, and this is her story. Hildy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here with you, Candy. I have admired you personally and professionally for so many years. So tell me a little bit about your diagnosis. 2007, take me back. I bought a new pair of shoes. It was summertime, and this is to all of your listeners. Pay attention to what the soles are made of. These were leather soles, which are slippery like ice. And I was stepping over a threshold to go downstairs where I have offices. And I just kind of sailed. I was lucky because my stairwell is very narrow. So I was able to catch myself one hand on one wall, one hand on another. And so, I, you know, my wrist hurt. And that started this whole ridiculous story of I checked out my wrist was sore and my doctor was out of town and they sent me to another doctor who said, oh, I'm going to send you to a hand specialist who wanted to give me these injections. What for? I ask. It didn't sound reasonable. So I finally went to someone who said, I do hands, but I think it's your elbows. I don't do elbows. So it's like, I don't do windows. I don't do elbows. So he said, I'll send you for some neurological testing. They did the wrong tests. They tested for the wrist, but they said, well, why don't we just have you do an MRI of your back? Maybe you have a pinched nerve. And with that, they found two tiny little spots that seemed suspicious, one in my right middle lobe and one in my right lower lobe. Then they did a CT scan and a biopsy, and sure enough, they were two tiny little tumors, and I was very lucky. My surgeon, whose name, by the way, is John Wayne, he did not arrive by horse, <laughs> but he, <laughs> he was wonderful, and I was very lucky, so my survival was by accident. What an amazing story. So what started out as, is it the wrist? Is it the elbow? Let's do an MRI, and by accident, they find a lung cancer diagnosis. So what was your treatment? What did you need? I was very lucky because it was early. And so I just had the surgery. And then that was it. I'm going to guess that you must have felt awfully fortunate and awfully grateful. So you decided to combine your musical talents with the creation of a nonprofit. Was there a light bulb moment following this lung cancer diagnosis when you said, I'm going to do something? in this area. I thought, well, why me? Why did I survive? And I was so grateful. I thought, well, what can I do? This is not 
to be insulting or anything. I'm just not one of the ladies who lunch. I don't, you know, that's just not been my world. So I thought, well, what could I do? And I thought what I know I can do is put on a great show. I can put together something that people will love to come to, that they'll walk away feeling positive and maybe whistling a tune and learn something about lung cancer. So that's what my idea was to start Upstage Lung Cancer. $3 million have been raised through your musical productions. So take our listeners through a couple of your favorite ones, your favorite shows. Oh, my God. In some ways, it's like asking, what's your favorite child, right? You know, it's like I love them all. More recently, 2019, we did a tribute to Walt Disney, which you were a part of. Are there certain hospitals or certain researchers that you earmark for the money that you raise? Each year we make a decision, and I would love people to go to our website for upstage lung cancer and look at research, because if you scroll down and look at what we've supported and invested in, it's really extraordinary. We really have a mission to invest in early detection research. Why? Because that's what saved my life. It has always been for you, Hildy, about the music. You were a founding member and a lead vocalist for the group, The Fallen Angels. Tell me about the group and how it was formed. Well, it's spelled F-O-L-L-E-N, Angels. And we started the organization, the group, on Fallen Street at Longy School of Music. So originally, and it's had some iterations, so originally it was myself, my friend Rieko Tanaka from Japan, and two other women, one from Germany and one from Romania. And so we wow, were- that's so eclectic. It was wonderful. It was an international cabaret. And so we would do amazing songs, international songs, American songbook songs. It was really just a thrill. Just loved it. You know, it is a special joy to sing as part of a group and to be in part of an ensemble. Do you like that? I like a small ensemble. I've really not enjoyed singing in a chorus, which I've done. There's a way in which I love it, the chorus, because... I like the big sound. I like the big sound of all those voices. And I love the big sound of an orchestra. So that's lovely. What I hate is standing with a book in front of you, having to stand still in a certain posture. It's too constricting for me. I'm more of a jazz gal. I read somewhere that you can sing in German and French and Russian. Is this true? (laughs) It's true. I have a very good ear. So I like the sound of language. Language to me is music. So that was just joyful. Let's talk a little bit about being a jazz singer. I have so much respect for jazz singers, and we've had quite a few on this show. It scares me because you're so far outside the lines sometimes. What's fun to me is I think they're left-brained singers and they're right-brained singers. And I think the traditional jazz singer is a right-brained jazz singer. I just feel it. I hear it. A lot of times in my Fallen Angels, I've said to our pianist, well, here's how I think it should go. And so they will then play that. I'm just great, talented people. And so it works because I hear it in my head. The passion for music has been expanding also throughout your life, including theater production. So let's talk a little bit about Devotion Follies. Our little group, sitting around writing this show, we were screaming, just screaming with laughter. And it was so joyful. It's one of the things I'm most proud of doing in my life. 
So we would set up 10 scenes, <laughs> like 10 for your show of shows, and had different themes and lasted 10 years. So, boy, I tell you, your face just lights up when you tell this story. <laughs> and I think probably what it did was it tapped into your ability to be a director, to be a producer. Absolutely. Did you know you could do that? It's a skill. Well, there are things I know I cannot do. And so I knew I could do this. I just knew I could. I know I cannot be a secretary. I have no talent. I'm awful. And I know I cannot be an accountant. So if you call me looking for my accounting skills, you'll be hugely disappointed. And you've done so many things with your life. And let's add podcast host. What the heck? When do you sleep? Tell us about your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I had this idea, I think because of COVID, and we managed to still do our fall concert and our spring concert, but they're virtual. And so, um, you know, they're on our Upstage Lung Cancer website. But I thought, well, another way of reaching out to people, which is the name of the game, was to create a podcast series. And um, what's it called? So it's called Upstage. Awesome name. <laughs> and so my friend Jordan Rich, who has been the MC for all of the spring events, um, I talked to him and said, I want to start a podcast. I want it to clearly have something to do with lung cancer, but to be bigger than just lung cancer, just as a person with lung cancer is larger than just a walking lung cancer. So um, Jordan was wonderful. He records our conversations. And I was thrilled that you and Joyce Colhawick were my first guests. And we did a podcast called Finding Joy. My point is, it's not to say everything's a walk in the park or a tap dance down the street. But finding something in each day to bring you joy is just so important. Let's go back to your early life and talk a little bit about your upbringing. Tell us where you come from. Well, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and my parents were wonderful. Um, my father was one of the owners of a nightclub that was very well known. Um, anybody from that area and, and larger will know Beverly Hills Country Club. And it was on par with the Chez Paris uh, in Chicago and the Moulin Rouge in Los Angeles and the Latin Quarter in New York. They were all very comparable places. So I grew up with Jimmy Durante performing and Milton Berle and Lena Horne, who was my super favorite when I was a little girl. What an influence that all must have been on your life. It, it was just, that's, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I just loved it, loved every minute of it. What was the vibe in your house? So your dad owns this great big nightclub. So obviously he's never home at night, <laughs> but he's there during the day. That, that's exactly right. He would come home in the middle of the night, like four in the morning or something, sleep till about nine, but he was there during the day. So I feel like I, you know, got a lot of my dad. And then I would call at night, you know, like at seven or eight o'clock whenever I was little before I was going to bed. And I know I would call up and say, is my daddy there? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your mom, brothers, sisters. That's a complicated story. Well, I grew up as an only child. I was adopted. And the nicest thing my mother ever said to me, and this is for all of you people who have either been adopted or 
are thinking about adoption, my mother said to me, Hildy, anybody can have a child, but you have to really want a child to adopt a child. Five or six years ago, two of my daughters got interested in trying to figure out who my biological uh, parents were. She was able to locate who my biological father was, and he was a doctor at Sloan Kettering, a radiologist. And then my biological mother, they weren't married, was a woman whose family came from northern Italy. So that was new and exciting. So you're half Italian. Half Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Music seems to flow through you. What happens to you when you sing? It's such a visceral, spiritual. Some people hear the word spiritual and love that idea. Like, oh, I'm in church and I'm next to God. And some people feel like, ugh, spiritual, pah. But I don't have a better word. It's all-encompassing. It's bigger. You become part of something really large. I think probably people who meditate get into this kind of state. I don't know. I'm not a meditator, but it's just everything. And I love being my own instrument and feeling kind of understanding where, you know, music is coming from and forming. And it's just the most joyful thing. I'm going to guess that your father and your mother must have been delighted to see your love of music. When I was a kid, I had a record player. And every day when I came home from school, I would put on Broadway discs. And I would sing and I would dance and I would spend a couple of hours every day. Just that was, you know... That was what you did. That's right. Other kids were stealing hubcaps. I was at home (laughs) singing with the record player. You and me both, sister. And I lined all my dollies up and they thought I was pretty good. That's right. That's the audience. Oh my God, we're so alike. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Let's shift a little bit to your work as a clinical psychologist. Many years of education, devotion to your studies. Tell me about your decision to do this work. That's an interesting question. Music was a part of me forever. And I care about people a lot. I'm also intellectually interested in people's lives, people's decisions. I've been through many, many losses. My, my mother died when I was 20, and my father died when I was 35. And I had a bunch of aunts and uncles who died, and there was so a lot of loss. And so I think with that, Either, it depends on who you are. So I think who I am is just somebody who's very introspective and I like to try to understand things. What's the meaning of life in a bigger cosmic way? And what meaning do we make of our own lives? What do you say to people when they come to you feeling insecure about their health or their personal safety during a pandemic? I do a lot of listening, which doesn't mean I'm not engaged. I am. But I like to do a lot of listening. I think some people approach therapy from a theory. And so they're always trying to fit you into a theory. And I feel like I want the, the patient, the people I work with, to help me understand better what they're going through and try to learn together and see how we can make life a better experience. It's a hard time for everybody. And, and, and I'm thinking about our children as well. You know, they've, they've lost the ability to be able to, you know, some, sometimes with masking, you know, they can't tell the expression on a person's face. 
They're looking at their teacher on a screen. They're not physically in a school classroom. What do you say to parents who might be struggling with their kids right now, too? Well, it's two things. One is just responding to what you're saying. I think this is a great time to learn to read eyes. You know, they say eyes are the window into the soul. And even with a mask, all right, you can't see the the corners of the mouth, but you can definitely see when someone's smiling and happy. Uh, And I think these are good things to read. And it's nonverbal behavior. You know, people who talk to you with their arms crossed are very different than people whose hands are out and arms are open and welcoming. Body language. (laughs) So I think all you can do as a parent is to acknowledge how difficult it is. Try to, you know, when we were in real lockdown where kids could not get out and play with other kids, it's just the opportunity of a parent to teach resilience and how to cope because that will put you in good stead for everything that comes your way. And we certainly know that life is full of curveballs, unexpected things happen. And just to be able to say, this is so terrible. It's just the worst thing. I can't go to school and see my teacher. Well, it is terrible. And it is a loss. And it is hard. So if that's true, what can we do to make the best of this situation? Well, it's funny that you should mention that because I was just about to ask you, when an obstacle is in your path, how have you gotten around it throughout your life? I hate the word no. I hate the word you can't do it. I hate the words it's been done before. One of my graduate professors that I was very close to, Dick Bootson at Northwestern, was so dear when it was time for my dissertation, and I was coming up with the topic, and I said, well, what happens if somebody else has done this? Because that's what I'd always heard. You know, if somebody had done that, that was the end of it. And he looked at me and he said, Hildy, no one will do it the way you will do it. So I love that. That was like just opening the window and fresh air blew in and freedom blew in. As you look back on your career, on your body of work, you must be awfully proud because I'm proud to be your friend. What are you most proud of? I'm really proud that I'm a good collaborator and can make things happen, creating music and producing concerts, conceptualizing something fun and interesting. Couple questions as we come to the end of our interview, and thank you so much for being here. What about the best wisdom you've ever received in your life? And that can be personal too. I think the person who touched me most with advice was my father, because I still, to my kids, I'll say, you know, when grandpa said this, and I also share with my patients, my father would always say, always go forward, never go backwards. You know, we'd say things like it's it's easier to spend a dime than it is to make a dime. So I'm frugal, but not cheap, you know, and I always try to move ahead and not feel like woulda, coulda, shoulda. What do you wish you knew when you first got started, maybe as a singer or whatever in life as an adult? What do you wish you knew when you first got started? This is back to the woulda, coulda, shouldas. And I've come to feel like I'm not one of these people who says things are what they're supposed to be. That's a little, you know, predetermined. But in some ways, even the mistakes, even the things that maybe I would have done something differently would have had dire costs in the other direction, right? 
I wish I knew how difficult life could be and understood that. I wish I knew how competent I am and had confidence in myself. Those are definitely things I've learned along the way. It's more the school of hard knocks than someone, you know, guiding along the way. Final question. At this moment, what does success mean to you? Because I've devoted so much of my essence of being to upstage lung cancer, success for me would be that we have worked so hard and been so diligent to look for the very best early detection studies so that you could walk into a doctor's office, you could breathe on a piece of paper, you could pee in a cup, you could take a blood test, any of those things, and find lung cancer early so that life will have a different path. That would feel like great success. Hilde Grossman, I want to say thank you so much for being my guest today and for inspiring so many people on the story behind her success. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it and appreciate all you do, Candy. And there she is, this week's guest, Hilde Grossman, president and founder of the nonprofit Upstage Lung Cancer. Find out more about the incredible work Hilde does raising money through music and song for early detection of lung cancer. Just go to upstagelungcancer.org. This is Candy O'Terry saying thank you so much for listening and for hitting that subscribe button. Maybe even leaving a review? A girl can hope. I'd be very grateful. I will have a fresh, inspiring story for you to hear next week on the story behind her success. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise.